This is Come Follow Me with David Ridges, brought to you by Cedar Fort Publishing and Media for the week of September 7th through the 13th, covering 3rd Nephi chapters 1 through 7. Our guest hosts today are Mark and Katie Steed. Hello, we are Mark and Katie Steed, and we're looking forward to discussing 3rd Nephi chapters 1 through 7 with you today. Uh, Mark is a neuropsychologist at the Utah State Hospital, while Katie has worked for the last two years as the Disabilities Specialist Manager for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Prior to that, she was a professor of education at BYU for 15 years. Katie has just released her first book, Promises I Make When I Am Baptized at Eight. All right. All right. Well, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Uh Third Nephi chapters one through seven. As we were studying this, we noted two major themes that were going on here. And for us, the things we wanted to talk about right now were that of remembering and gathering. Let's delve into each of these in a little more detail. We'll start with the theme of remembering. Now, I always like to start with some background. I always like to know who's talking. So if you notice just that we're in that very first chapter of third Nephi, and they help us understand who is this third Nephi? Who is this person that's talking? And this Nephi that's speaking to us, he was the son of Helaman. And that Helaman was also the son of another Helaman, who was the son of Alma, who also was the son of another Alma. And that Alma was a descendant of Nephi, who was the son of Lehi. So just to give you some way to kind of anchor who we're talking about today, we'll start with that information. And Mark's going to tell us a little bit more about time frames. So knowing where we come from, where we are today is in the 92nd year of the judges. So we've been through 90 plus years in the ebb and flow of righteousness and wickedness, prosperity or struggling, and things have finally come to a head because the wicked people have said, hey, enough is enough. Um, We're sick of hearing about these prophecies of Christ's birth, and we are going to lay down the law. And so uh, the believers are saying, they're questioning, are are we going to die, or or will we be saved? It's a a test of their faith. So if you look in uh, 3 Nephi chapter 1, verse 7, it says, And it came to pass that they, meaning the wicked people, did make a great uproar throughout the land, And the people who believed began to be very sorrowful, lest by any means those things which had been spoken might not come to pass. So I think you can be sorrowful for a lot of reasons, but I think one of the reasons they may have been sorrowful was maybe they didn't really know for sure how things were going to work out in the end. In some ways, it was an exciting time to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Prophecies were being fulfilled. Great signs and miracles among the people indicated that the Savior uh, would soon be born. But on the other hand, it was also an incredibly anxious time for believers. Because in spite of all the miracles, unbelievers insisted that, quote, the time was past, unquote. And because these people caused great uproar throughout the land, they even set a date to kill all the believers if the sign prophesied by Samuel the Lamanite, a night without darkness, did not appear. So here we are in these trying times, and their prophet Nephi, it says in 3 Nephi 1.11 that he cried mightily to his God in behalf of his people. We can read there, 
And it came to pass that he went out, we're speaking of Nephi here, and bowed himself down upon the earth and cried mightily to his God in behalf of his people. Yea, those who were about to be destroyed because of their faith in the tradition of their fathers. And it came to pass that he cried mightily unto the Lord all that day. And behold, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, and this next verse, 3 Nephi 1, 13, Mark and I were talking how much this is really even a, a major thesis of this lesson here, because the Lord responds to Nephi, and it's a great inspiration to what he says to anyone that might face persecution or doubt, and it helps them, anyone that needs to be reminded, because remember, remembering is such a huge theme here to be reminded that light will overcome darkness. And the Lord says in 3 Nephi 1, verse 13, Lift up your heads and be of good cheer. What a beautiful thing to consider. What a beautiful thing to be reminded of right now in the midst of the things that we're going through. He says, Lift up your head and be of good cheer. I will fulfill all that which I have caused to be spoken by the mouth of my holy prophets. In essence, the Lord is saying, Remember, Be of good cheer. I know that they're telling you you're going to be killed tomorrow. I know. I understand that. But be of good cheer, and I will fulfill all the things which I have said. It actually reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Elder Holland. When he says, The future of this world has long been declared. The final outcome between good and evil is already known. There is absolutely no question as to who wins, because the victory has already been posted on the scoreboard. Again, we have this witness of, remember, we already know the end. We already know who wins. So be of good cheer and move forward. Yeah, you know, I love this concept about remembering because um, there are lots of things that we, we can remember. We can remember the challenges of life. But here, the, the Lord is reminding us to remember the goodness that comes from him. So this passage of scripture that was written thousands of years ago is still fitting for our days. I mean... And it's a good example for us of why studying the scriptures is so important to our spiritual well-being. Because, in essence, we've been reminded to remember. That's what the scriptures is doing. So these believers were waiting for the night uh, uh, with no darkness that would announce the Savior's birth, knowing they'd be killed if it didn't happen. And it could be pretty scary. The circumstances couldn't be more dire. And it's easy to see how this applies in our situation today. We're facing unprecedented times, right? Um, we're in the midst of a pandemic that's affected all aspects of our worship service. We don't have access to our temples the way that we are used to. Uh, our Sunday worship service has been altered. Weekly meetings with our youth uh, do not look the same. And life in general has been significantly changed. We've followed the council. Uh, of our prophet to pray and fast, and yet we don't clearly see the end. And non-believers may doubt our efforts, and that in turn may even lead us to doubt uh, at times, because we don't know exactly how this will all work out. We believe, and we hope. So, like I said in, in, in Third Nephi chapter 1, verse 7, that uh, the people who begin to believe... Uh, who believed began to be very sorrowful, lest by any means those things which had not been, which had been spoken might not come to pass. You know, when you say that, it reminds me of um, the first time. You know, President Nelson has asked us to pray and fast twice now for this during this pandemic, and the first time he asked us to pray and fast, I actually 
we fasted. We did that 24-hour fast. And I woke up the next morning and it was about four in the morning. So I woke up a little (laughs) earlier than I had anticipated, but I pulled out my phone and I went to look for like the news broadcast of what miracle had happened because we fasted for 24 hours. Me too. (laughs) And I just thought it's going to happen. And I think it, it, it might be similar to how they may have been feeling here in third Nephi chapter one, these believers, like we believe, we believe, wait, where is it? Where is it? They're going to kill us. We, we're not seeing the end in sight. And sometimes there is a lot more that's to be taught in the process than mm-hmm. I think when, but we can be quick to just think, nope, the miracle should happen in 24 hours. Um, and, and we were reminded to still hope. I loved. April 2020 conference. What a, what a beautiful blessing it was to have that in the midst of this pandemic and all of these things that we were dealing with. And Elder Holland, his talk really spoke to me. I love that even the title was called A Perfect Brightness of Hope. What a, what a beautiful reminder to remember, right? And I love when he said, he says this so clearly and with such conviction, I just remember feeling that peace and confidence when he spoke. He said, we still have hopes that have not yet been fulfilled. Even as we speak, we are waging an all hands on deck with, with COVID-19, a solemn, a solemn reminder that a virus a, a thousand times smaller than a grain of sand can bring entire populations and global economies to their knees. And then I love how he says this next line with such confidence. When we have conquered this end, we will. When when I remember when he said that, I just thought, wow, we are going to conquer this. I don't know how it's going to happen. And I still don't know. But I still have so much peace and confidence in that statement. It was encouraging. Absolutely. And then he continued just recently in a Hear Him video. Um, he, he's speaking again about this concept and he says, I'm proud of you, young people. You have been so resilient. I hope, and by the way, when he says young people, I hope he's speaking. I think he's speaking to all of us. I think he's speaking to me. That's right. (laughs) He says, I hope you won't be overly fearful or convinced that there's no future for you. Life has always been a little messy, but there is always a way through as we lean on our savior. What a great promise. Yeah. And, you know, in the same conference, President Nelson said in his talk, go forward in faith. Um, we pray that you will begin to a new, that you will begin anew, truly to hear, hearken to, and heed the words of the Savior. I promise that decreased fear and increased faith will follow. He goes on to, to, to cite President Wilford Woodruff. He says, President Wilford Woodruff saw conditions such as our day as recorded in his dedicatory prayer for the Salt Lake Temple given in 1893. So when thy people shall not have the opportunity of entering this holy house, and they are oppressed and in trouble, surrounded by difficulties, and shall turn their faces towards this, thy holy house, and ask thee for deliverance, for help, for thy power to be extended in their behalf, we beseech thee to look down from thy holy habitation in mercy and listen to their cries. Or when the children of thy people in years to come shall be separated through any cause from this place, and they shall cry unto thee from the depths of their affliction and sorrow to extend relief and deliverance to them, we humbly entreat thee to hearken to their cries and to grant unto them the blessings for which they ask. Such a great, great quote from mm. conference. That entire conference was so uplifting. Yeah. Um, when I, just after COVID hit, a few weeks into it, and we were 
homebound and, and trying to do what we could. I got an email from work. I, I work at church headquarters and then we got an email that stated if we were interested in teletherapy, this is how we could access, you know, those people that were having anxiety and, and, and things with COVID. And I have to tell you that my first thought was, that is so nice that the church is doing this, that my job, my employer is doing this. How lovely for all these other people that need that. And then a few weeks after that happened, my dad unexpectedly passed away out of nowhere. It was, mm. it was shocking and it shook us. And all of a sudden I looked in my email and there was that same email. If you would like teletherapy, this is how you access it. And I no longer thought that's so great for somebody else. I thought, sign me up. And I met with a lovely woman named Charlie, uh, a lovely Jewish woman. And she was wonderful and, and gave me some great insights and things to help me process, help me process the pandemic and the anxiety there, help me process my father's sudden passing and as I was speaking with Charlie, I shared with her how I had felt really, really frustrated and really anxious with, with everything going on. And I wasn't sleeping well. And I said, but then I said, my, our, my prophet and, and the apostles and some of the sisters, they will come and speak to us every year, every twice a year at conference. And I explained to her what conference was. And I said, and actually ever since uh, general conference, I've been sleeping better. And then we talked about several other things for a while. And then she came back to me and she said, Katie, I want you to go back to that general conference every day. Whatever you have to do to go back to that general conference, you go back to it. That is an anchor. And I could tell by you talking that that brings you peace. And I think we need to remember, just as the saints in Third Nephi, just as the believers in Third Nephi needed to remember in order to get through this, this difficult time, remember. Remember the things that our prophets have told you. Be of good cheer for those things will be accomplished that what the Lord has said and what he has said through his prophets. And I love that she pointed that out to me. I love that even somebody not of my faith could see that so clearly what an anchor that is in my life. Yeah, that's a beautiful illustration of, of remembering. And it reminds me that, you know, in my practice as a psychologist, um, uh, that I find it interesting that often in times of stress, people will forget their anchors. They'll forget to return and remember the things that have worked for them. They'll look for the new and shiny solution mm. to this quote-unquote new problem, which apparently is the same problem that's been around for thousands of years, you know, as we see from the scriptures. And and it's it's an easy thing to do. There's a siren song to the shiny thing that says, hey, come try this. This will be the cure for for what ails you. And, and in reality, there's there's a peace and a comfort that comes from remembering you know and it brings physical peace and emotional peace and, and spiritual peace and so as 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 we've remembered you know as we learn in these chapters that remembering is is a key principle and the second principle that we wanted to talk about briefly was uh to gather and so remembering is 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 half the problem when you remember something you have to do something about it. You are now accountable for what you Is it know. half the problem or half the solution? Well, let's say it's half the solution. <laughs> yes. It's half the problem if that's where you stop. It's, I remember. <laughs> but if you take the next step and you say, okay, let's do something. And in, in these chapters in Third Nephi, we see what they do is they gather. 
So they have Laconius appointed as a righteous judge. And he says, um, hey, I want you guys to gather. You know, and... You were reminded of, of a cute story when we were talking about this. When we were, when our daughter Lucy was about two and a half years old, my husband and I, we were hugging in the kitchen and she was in the other room and she looked up and she saw us and she clearly saw the joy of us embracing and gathering together. And she came running right in and she said, I want to be a part of the circle. <laughs> and as we were talking about the joy of gathering and the strength of gathering, that sweet little story reminded us of that as we, as we begin to, to study this more. Yeah. And so, you know, we see in third Nephi chapter five verses 24 through 26, we read about, uh, uh, the gathering of the people, the Lord's people in the latter days. Um, so in 24, starting in verse 24, as surely as the Lord liveth, he will gather in from the four quarters of the earth all the remnant of the seed of Jacob who are scattered abroad upon all the face of the earth. And then they shall know their Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then shall they be gathered in from the four quarters of the earth unto their own lands, from whence they have been dispersed, yea, even as the Lord liveth, so it shall be. Amen. So, when we step back a little bit, I mean, first of all, that's a beautiful promise. But then we, when we step back a little bit earlier in Third Nephi, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, we see a pattern here. Um, and uh, let me read those verses. Well, I think it's important to point out, I loved how you found that, even that alliteration, when you said they gather, they mm -hmm. guard, grow, and then in, and then there's grace. Yeah, yeah. So listen for these themes as we read through verses 13 and 14. Yea, he sent a proclamation, this is Laconius, sent a proclamation among all the people that they should gather together their women and their children, their flocks and their herds, and all their substance, save it were their land, unto one place. And he caused that fortification, or guarding, should be built around about them, and the strength thereof should be exceedingly great. In other words, they should grow. And he caused that armies, both of the Nephites and of the Lamanites, or of all them who were numbered among the Nephites, should be placed as guards round about to watch them and to guard them from robbers, the, from the robbers day and night. So, the grace comes, uh, is part of the growing. So we, we learn from these, these passages of scripture that as they gathered together, it was not for just a short time. They were there for a number of years before uh, Laconius said, okay, it's time to go back to your lands of the lands of your inheritance. And when they gathered together, they went and they, they were dispersed, not with nothing to go back to their lands of inherit their inheritance, but with the leftovers of what they brought with them. They didn't use all their supplies. They didn't use all of their, their animals. Uh, they, when they were gathered together, they spent the time to grow, and the Lord blessed them with his grace because they were worshiping, because they took that time together to worship and to, to grow from grace to grace, if you will. So that... Uh, that concept of grace reminds me of Vivian, our youngest. Um, she, uh, we were having a discussion the other day about uh, repentance, and Vivian had a worried look on her face and said, you know, in a timid voice, 
what if you don't remember everything that you're supposed to repent of? <laughs> and I mean, that's this is a nine-year-old, and that's a that's a great question. I don't think I've, I've ever thought of that, but um, you know, we talked about. I think it was you that that told her. You know, it's okay because God knows the intents of your heart, and clearly, the intents of the of these these people's heart were to do what God wanted them to do. So, I think that's a great example of grace. Yeah, wonderful. Then. There's kind of this wonderful little interruption in as we're reading along by Mormon, who's who's abridging this the, the Nephite record, and he adds his own commentary, and he wants to declare and make sure that we know that he is a disciple of Jesus Christ. We read in Doctrine and Covenants section forty one verse five what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and it says, "He that receiveth my law and doeth it, the same is my disciple." So Mormon continues with explaining uh, discipleship, which, as you read, you'll see a strong connection between discipleship and gathering. So in 3 Nephi 5, 13, and in verse 20, he says, Behold, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I have been called of him to declare his word among his people, that they might have everlasting life. I am Mormon, and a pure descendant of Lehi. There's that gathering, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I have reason to bless my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ, that he brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem, and that he hath given me and my people so much knowledge unto the salvation of our souls. Mormon then continues to talk about the gathering of Israel and its connection to our birthright. So keep in mind that this connection is what connects us as individuals to the Abrahamic covenant, meaning that we can have eternal increase, the gospel can come through our line, and so forth. And I always love a good birthright discussion, don't I, Mark? <laughs> Probably more than I should, but that's all right. But I love that this brings us full circle to where we began with this lesson of remembering. Remember that we are a part of this great heritage from the Abrahamic covenant. And remember how that all began. It began with a father, Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, and this made no sense to Abraham, but he was willing to follow God's command. And we remember this obedience led to the great things for Abraham and to the Abrahamic covenant. And we remember that just before Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, some of the greatest words of scripture were shared in Romans chapter four, that Abraham who against hope believed in hope. What a beautiful sentence. I want anyone listening to think about for a moment, just stop and ponder and remember a time that you may have felt as Abraham, that against hope, you believed in hope. I remember I was 28 years old and this sweet secretary at a school in Lehigh, Utah, told me that I should go meet this guy because he was one of the smartest men she ever met. And I thought, whoa. And I was kind of discouraged from the whole dating scene. I had kind of been there, done that, I felt like, with a lot of things. And I was frustrated. But I just had this little piece of hope in me that maybe, maybe this could work. And I did something I'd never done before. 
I actually had to go and Mark was busy. Oh, I gave away the the ending there. <laughs> Mark was busy uh, testing a student, actually giving an IQ test, which I was not about to interrupt. I knew as a professor at BYU who taught how to give standardized tests, you don't interrupt an IQ test. And I pulled out my business card and I wrote down my cell phone number on the back and wrote, call me with a smiley face, which Mark still has. I still have it. <laughs> and I believed in hope, even against hope. I had had the frustrations. I had had the guys that I loved and didn't love me and the guys that loved me and I didn't love them and all of that. Against hope, I believed in hope. And I remember the night that, uh, spoiler alert, it worked out. He did call me. We did go out. Uh, and the night that we got engaged seven months later, I knelt down to pray. I was alone and we had gotten engaged and I, I was saying a prayer and the first words out of my mouth were, Heavenly Father, thank you for hope. And what a great thing to remember right now, that against hope we can believe in hope. And, and what a thing that we were being asked to remember, and that was so important that Mormon wanted us to keep in mind, that he was a disciple of Christ. And part of being a disciple of Christ was this gathering and this birthright that he had come from. Yeah. So as we wrap up, uh, you know, may we remember the, the great heritage that we come from as we battle our own complexities, you know, ba- uh, pandemics and so forth. Uh, may we remember to do as Abraham and have hope against hope. May we remember what God has told us in Third Nephi to lift up your head and be of good cheer. I will fulfill all that I have caused to be spoken by the mouth of my holy prophets. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture there. We've really enjoyed this opportunity to share some thoughts with you today. We hope that they'll bring you comfort and guidance as you go about your days. And we wish you all the best. Thank you for joining us. For more Come Follow Me teaching materials, visit cedarfort.com. Use code CFPODCAST to save 15% off your entire order. That's C as in cedar and F as in fort podcast for 15% off your entire order.